to Today Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal, and today I'm bringing you a session from the Digiday Brand Summit Europe that we recently held in Monaco. Now, everyone's trying to figure out the supply chain and how the mechanics work, where the money goes, where and how we can improve on transparency. One person... Hendrik Schult, the material group manager of media and digital at Swarovski, is trying to find alternative ways to pay for tech that is involved in the interaction for the supply chain. He's got some ideas. Listen in. My topic is a, a little bit drier, as it seems. Uh, transparency, I think today still there is no event that goes by where someone doesn't speak about uh, the, the transparency or sometimes the lack thereof. But I want to go a bit deeper and um, explain my thoughts around what I understand about transparency, where I, th where I see that we could change something and what the impact of transparency could be for a brand. So I work for um, a lovely family company um, with about 3,000 stores worldwide when it comes to the crystal business. Um, the group also manufactures um, optic devices and abrasive and is headquartered still to date in Austria and Switzerland. So transparency, if you really research really, really hard and get past all those physical and biological terms what transparency means, you come up with a fairly decent um, definition after a while. And uh, I love this definition and use it in a lot of sourcing projects for Swarovski because I'm, I'm very passionate about transparency and I believe transparency has to be the, the, f the foundation of any business relationship because it inspires trust and through trust you can uh, do successful business. Um, transparency, especially in the digital supply chain, is uh, quite a complex and difficult to explain topic and... Uh, I believe in many companies, the actual budget owners may not necessarily be that acquainted to the topics of transparency in the dis digital supply chain. So what I do and want to share with you is a little trick to um, help maybe not so digital-versed or supply chain-versed people to understand the supply chain. And I do this with the help of a car. Um, when I started to work in digital um, the digital tools that I had at my disposal were quite um, easy to grasp. It looked a little bit like this, if we look at a car. I could see where the ignition is, um, where the cooler is, where the air filter is, and I kind of had a feeling what was required to move the car ahead. Um, granted, it was a bit easier back in the days when, when I started, where probably Google search was the toughest thing that you had to come across but most other things were still fairly simple. Fast-forwarding today, um, if we look today at the digital supply chain, and if you want to take a closer look under the hood yourself, you probably find yourself greeted with a um, view that is slightly more like this. Yes, of course, it's a performance engine. You have trust. The car still moves, like before. But... If you have a closer look, there's no moving part that you see. So you see no essential part moving underneath the hood. It's neatly covered and hidden away underneath uh, a piece of plastic. Um, and I think this is a fairly good comparison to the, the supply chain. 
um, whereby the moving parts have now become smaller and smaller, much more software is included, which makes the engine today not only more difficult to understand, but even harder to grasp. And mind you, if that engine breaks down, you will have a very tough time to quickly diagnose what went wrong. Um, but apart from that, cars are still very reliable. What is the challenge with having not transparency? Well, it can lead to industry um, problems. And if we look at the car industry as an example, um, there were some crises recently around certain fuel type. We don't have to look that far away in order to see what um, the lack of transparency uh, can do to the supply chain. Uh, we just have to think back about three years um, from today when the ANA published together with K2 a report about media practices um, and the critics of the supply chain. And uh, to this day, I think that was the biggest news that sparked then uh, the largest advertiser of the world to take the stage at the IAB summit and speak about the dilemma that this supply chain has. And uh, all of this really touches on a lot of topics of transparency today. So transparency, understanding of which piece contributes to your, um, to your value that you generate for your customers or consumers is um, a, a fairly big thing. So. Moving a little bit fast forward to 2018, surely this can no longer be a, a big issue. Um, I mean, the, the K2 report, Mark Pritchard, um, that must have rattled the cage quite a bit. But if you look at a recently published report by the media consulting house IDcoms, um, they've understood that the level of trust compared to 2016 has been even deteriorating more since then. Um, a bit disclosure here, um, they also said that most of the respondents felt that agencies today in that case, as it's pertaining to agencies in particular, have done a lot of strides to improve um, the relationship and have taken measures forward to increase transparency and thereby the trust in the digital supply chain in the uh, business or client agency relationship. At about Come this year, um, the WFA, the World Federation of Advertisers, um, announced the launch of the media charter. And within it, you'll see a couple of points that they addressed where they felt that most of their members um, had the most grief. And interesting enough, two points within that charter touched on transparency. So really, it is something that is of um, immense importance importance to many brands, to many people within the supply chain. And the reason why is very simple, because looking at the media industry, there are a lot of players working at it. And moving from the topic of transparency at, uh, towards the media industry as such, I would like to talk a little bit about the category or the market that we actually operate in. This is a fairly sizable market um, that is still growing at double-digit rates, predominantly driven by digital, programmatic and video, um, and therefore seeing still a lot of investments taken from brands. In fact, 67% of this investment is already traded programmatically. So this entire supply chain that was criticized by um, Mr. Pritchard and um, to a degree the ANA report um, is now traded 
within an exchange or biddable way. Quick disclosure, um, that is a slide that um, Terry Kawaya presented at the ANA masterclass, I believe it was. Um, I'm sure everybody in this room has seen at some point or not the Lumascape. I think the most encouraging piece of this Lumascape are the little red dotted boxes that we're starting to see and uh, a reality that is taking into effect since, I think, 2013, that this massive supply chain would sooner or later consolidate. And now with these um, red boxes that you see here, you can see a lot of consolidation taking place now. Um, while there are many players within the supply chain, so everybody taking a share of their um, hardly fought for media budget, um, the reality is that two brands in particular are taking around 60% of that share, me being the duopoly. We, s we heard it a little bit uh, in the introduction today that there's a third wall garden coming and uh, here also my um, forecast for the future, the third walled garden being Amazon, is heavily taking share, partly from publishers, partly also from Google, as a lot of search is now starting within the Amazon platform versus the Google platform. Um, today we heard about 5.5 billion. Um, I think Group M had a slightly higher estimation of where Amazon might finish this year. And mind you, this is an advertising business that didn't exist about two years ago. So quite a growth potential that Amazon is using by utilizing their, their data. But let's bring this supply chain mess a little bit closer to home and let's look at um, what that means for a brand. So many players within the supply chain takes a lot to get a message down to the people or the customers. Um, who's taking what share within your supply chain? So. This is a not-so-new um, chart, but I still feel a highly important one, simply because it nicely illustrates um, roughly where elements are taking. And uh, apologize, I didn't have the definitions here. The AOR stands for Agency of Record, ATD is the Agency Trading Desk, and DSP is the demand-side platform, of course. Um, Valuates denotes anything that is third-party audiences to verification and any other services that you can buy within um, a programmatic activity. Now, the WFA had estimated by asking their members that about 40% of any euro invested would make it through to the publisher. Now, let's look at the 40%, okay, we, we still need a lot of ROI in order to make up for that 60% that may have been consumed up within the supply chain. Add to that, and here I'll, I'll leave you to the guess because the statistics are fairly varying, 9 to 22% fraudulent inventory and um, an average of 47.5% viewability. That, to me, uh, doesn't leave a whole lot left that might reach or be seen by a human consumer. So what can we do about it? Well, there are two things that you can do. Speak to your procurement team. There are elements that you can negotiate. And when I say negotiate, it needn't be a race to the bottom. Because if people in the supply chain no longer earn money or be profitable, they will simply disappear. Secondly, explore. The value adds here listed are accounting for about 
of your media investment. That's quite a lot that is taken out. I would explore if really all of them is needed, if maybe first-party data can be utilized more, which is, thanks to GDPR, now a more and more a bigger focus point. But let's for a moment look at um, the DSP. Um, I've read in the recent past a lot of articles from the likes of um, Katie Jones or Tim Van Hauk um, around how we remunerate DSPs. And having this transparency is a beautiful invitation for us to look at how we spend our money within the digital supply chain. And just looking at the DSP percentage here, this is actually a fair reflection of the market today. Because if you are enlisting a DSP, it's typically um, consisting of two elements or one element, which is the DSP fee. And that's even today uh, a percentage or a commission approach of your media investment. Now, knowing this, one could ask, why are we doing this? I mean, programmatic has changed so much in the recent past um, that, that one could think maybe the remuneration is right for a bit of a change. And quite literally, if you really think about commission approached for tech, so paying a fee on the media that you invest on a computer doing an interaction, maybe this is not the best way. And I would like to share with you some thoughts that um, I've produced and I'm currently discussing with our tech vendors. And that is a simple scenario. Let's envision we are buying media inventory on a premium publisher and we buy inventory on a blog. Both very relevant, slightly price differences, that's fine. Each get paid for what they can ask for and they all contribute to our growth, to our revenue, so we're still going to work with both. Looking at the DSP fee, and let's assume, like in the example that I shared in the waterfall model, 10% DSP fee, it would look a little bit like this. So for every thousand impressions that I trade, for Vogue I would pay six euros, DSP fee, not the actual placement fee, and for a blog I would pay 50 cents. The difference here is about 12 times a difference when we look at the bid level. What does that mean? Is that a big drama? Well, a little bit, because if I want to optimize my spend towards my goals, this model is driving me towards cheaper inventory. Probably not what we want to do as brand advertisers um, in today's digital supply chain, especially with in varying levels of viewability and fraud, the further we go down in quality. So what can we do? There are two alternatives that I'm currently discussing with our partners and that I would like to share with everyone in the room. The first one isn't really that new, and one DSP in particular tried to pitch this idea about three years ago. And that is the approach of using software as a service to brands or to advertisers. Now, why would anybody in their right mind would do that? Well, simply, there's an advantage for the DSP. The advantage is fixed revenues, there's a monthly or yearly fee, beautiful take the deal and afterwards you don't have to worry because the income of a DSP is no longer linked to the investment they take and for the advertiser it's beautiful because you generate economies of scale. So it's getting cheaper to use the tech as you spend more. 
whereby with a commission level, you don't. The second approach, because one of the reasons being that this one DSP that didn't succeed with that approach was a reluctance of commitments. So budgets are still fluent. Sometimes we move a little bit from programmatic, put it into social or other tactics. So what is the second thing we could do? And the second approach really that I'm proposing is look at a fee that is remunerating an auction one. So going back to the example with the Vogue and the blog article, this would mean that you essentially incentivize by transaction and no longer by investment taken into the supply chain. So right now we're really talking to the vendors and um, some of ideas really start to spark um, conversations within those organizations up to chief revenue level, uh, chief revenue officer levels. So I'm very keen to um, hear what your thoughts on this are and would like to thank you very much for your attention. Final thoughts, transparency to me is trust because without one or the other, um, you're not going to likely have a very successful business relationship. The first thing I would do is pro arrange for a contractual right for transparency. There are great platforms that can assist you to that. ISPA, I believe, is here and has great templates that assist you in formulating the transparency right and then challenge the status quo. Just as I shared with you, only because we've done things the way for 10 years doesn't mean they don't need to change. And I believe with transparency, you have a true partnership, speaking on eye level with a partner about the same goal and being successful. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.